Welcome back. We are back for another episode of Dig City, a Purdue Volleyball podcast alongside myself, Daniel Gilman. We've got the head coach of Purdue Volleyball, Dave Shondell. Coach, it's been a, it's been a long time. I hope you are uh, doing well with your family as well. How's everything going? It's going really well, you know, despite the news that uh, we are going to be, you know, postponed this fall. I feel like uh, our entire program has responded very well. Um, it's, it's not a great time in, in America at this point, and there has to be some, some real changes and some improvements before I think anybody gets the green light to get back on the, the floor or the field or the, whatever. But uh, we're hoping for the best, and we're trying to control what we can control at this point. So let's start with that. Can you walk me through, you know, what the at least stages were for you and, you know, the, the volleyball team and the, I guess the whole coaches community in terms of when you learned and when you found out what it would mean for your program specifically? Yeah, you know, our, our group came back in early June um, as far as our volleyball players did. That was 17 players, including uh, three freshmen that had just arrived for the first time. And um, they started uh, by being quarantined for a certain amount of time before they could really start to, to be together. And they were, they were doing some um, open gyms at facilities around campus because they could not get into our facility until they were tested, where they were able to do um, conditioning with our strength coach and uh, get in the gym for a little bit to, to play or you know, run some drills by themselves. Coaches have not been involved in, in any of this until August 7th or 8th. But there was one situation that we had in, in the early parts of the, the coronavirus um, mania with, with Maddie Skimmerhorn's dad. And, and it's very, very good news to see that he's made, at least as far as I'm concerned, as a full recovery, correct? Yeah, he's terrific. He's been back at work uh, as an athletics director at West Noble High School. And, you know, he went from being down and out to where I think there were a lot of people concerned if he was going to make it uh, to a great turnaround and a great recovery. So we're all thrilled that, um, you know, a big part of our Purdue volleyball family, um, you know, survived that. And uh, we're looking forward to him being back in Holloway Gym. So now getting back to the team and what all of this really means is so when the Big Ten did decide to go conference only, I'm sure there was a bit of a scramble going on, you know, behind the scenes for you guys. Hopefully in February is when we anticipate starting. Uh, we have a schedule ready to go. So uh, the Big Ten has told us we're way ahead of anybody else. And uh, we feel good. Our, our Big Ten coaches have been working diligently. Uh, to make this happen. We've been trying to provide the level of leadership that's necessary to make it work. Um, all the Big Ten schools have all the proper protocol in place. And we felt like it, it could have worked if we would have gone now, but uh, we understand that there's still some unanswered questions. So we're uh, willing to wait, um, given the opportunity, and we hope that basketball will um, be given the green light. And if basketball is given the green light, I think football will follow quickly and then fall sports will be able to jump in right after that. I'll ask the first unanswerable question, at least the one that I know popped up to the heads of a lot of Big Ten and Pac-12 volleyball fans, and that is, are you sure what's going to happen in terms of the NCAA has canceled the fall championships, but it seems like you know the SEC, the ACC, the Big 12, they're going to at least go forward at the moment with the volleyball season. How does that work for a postseason looking like, you know, for the spring? 
it looks real confusing to me. Um, what we have found out, at least the statement that has been made so far, is that the championships will be held in the spring. But as of right now, teams that play in the fall or the spring will be eligible for that championship. That's what we understand. Sounds um, interesting to me, but that's the way, way it looks right now. And the championship as of now is a 32-team field. So it's not the traditional 64-team tournament, which really opens up a real mess, in my, in my opinion, because they've got two ways to go. The way it's been proposed by the, the initial committee is that it will be uh, all conference champions get an automatic bid, which is the way it's been in the past. But then you had another 32 uh, spots that were filled mostly by at-large teams. So as of right now, if the uh, – the, the Board of Governors or whoever is the next group that will officially approve this, approve it, then you're only going to have one Big Ten team, most likely, in the NCAA championship and one Pac-12 and one Big 12. And so what we're hoping, if, if they go that direction, which I think would be a big mistake, but if they go that direction, we're hoping that the NIVC will step up again. And if the NIVC has a 32-team event, um, then it would be a stronger tournament, most likely, than the NCAA. Because let's say Wisconsin wins the Big Ten like they did last year, just for sake of argument. Uh, Nebraska, Minnesota, Penn State, Purdue, Illinois, Ohio State, Michigan could all go into the NIVC with teams like Washington, um, UCLA, USC, um, Texas or Baylor, one of those aren't going to get in. So the other one could, could, could jump in. Uh, you know, you've got either Florida or Kentucky, and then you've also got, you know, the rest of the bunch in, in those leagues and so forth. So it would be a, a, a better tournament. So I, I think that would be a mistake for the NCAA to go that way. But, it, but if, if they go and make it an all-at-large selection, then you'd get a lot more Power Five conference teams and you get all the better teams. But then you have these mid-major conferences, a lot of conferences, what are they playing for during league play if they don't get a chance to go to the NCAA tournament? So it's a catch-22 situation. There's not a good answer. When they decided to go to 32 teams, they, they really cut uh, the legs right off of the NCAA tournament teams. Yeah, confusing is an, an underway underrated way to talk about that especially if you know you've got sec teams that finish their season in december and then don't play the playoffs postseason for five months later but we'll we'll get to that if we have you know that to talk about in the next few months well, i'm sure we'll have more dig city episodes but let's talk more about your squad because today which is august 24th right if i'm to be 100 percent accurate is the first time you guys were all able to hold a practice together right well, we, we started practicing on August, I believe, 8th, I think was our first day. And we had, I think, five practice days before they broke the news that we were not going to play in the fall. And so then we continued and had two more practices before we um, felt like it was in the best interest of our players to be able to go home for uh, a handful of days uh, to prepare for the start of school in a long haul of volleyball in school uh, during the, you know, the next three months. So, uh, but this was the first practice we've had in about 10 days. And for the fans that don't necessarily know what classes are like for Purdue, is everything online or do students slash student athletes 
have in-class classes? Well, uh, 90% of our people are on campus. I think that's the number that I heard. I mean, the campus is buzzing. It's a beautiful sight to see, you know, the, the, the young people back on campus. I think as far as our volleyball team is concerned, I think we're about 50-50 as far as how many classes are online versus how many are actually in the classroom. I think most of them have at least one class that will be in the classroom. So they'll be, you know, participating like regular students. But, um, you know, we're, we're just hoping that uh, we can beat the odds with this because obviously some, some major universities that have tried have failed in, uh, in lasting very long. I think that at Purdue, our administration, you know, Mitch Daniels has been diligent with his efforts to, to make this work. And uh, he sent a very large message a couple of days ago when he sent 36 students packing because uh, they were not properly wearing masks at a social event on campus. And I think that uh, the rest of the students heard that loud and clear. So, you know, Purdue's a unique place. Not everybody knows that Purdue is a, is a really highly academic intellectual uh, university. And, and most people are here are, are here to uh, attend class and, and go to school. So I, I think that uh, they'll take it seriously. And I think we got a chance. It's going to be uh, an uphill battle in my opinion, um, but uh, we got a chance. And so what's the message been from you to the team in the few chances you have had, you know, all the women together? Well, my first message has been, this team is going to play as a unit at some point. And, you know, we, we can't put a date on when that is going to be. Um, my best guess is going to be uh, early in the second semester. You know, we come back around January 20th and start practice. And I think probably, you know, four weeks after that, um, we'll be ready to, you know, put the nets up and start playing people. And uh, so you know, I'm trying to keep them optimistic and, and, you know, not worry about all the noise that they're hearing and just dig in there and, and get after it. So that, that, that's the one message that I, I'm trying to send to them. I'm, the other message is, is how, how tough the Big Ten is going to be. And we're not going to be playing anybody outside our league. So almost, you know, every match we play is going to be a major challenge. And, you know, what we do, how we handle the ups and downs of this coronavirus uh, time uh, will determine if we're going to be successful and who handles it best in our league. And, and there's a lot of great coaches in our league that I'm sure are, are making sure that their players are mature, responsible, uh, dealing with this properly, emotionally and physically. Um, but that's going to be the key as, as we go through this thing is, is not get too high and not get too low and, and, and find ways to train and get better and, and, and not get many people sick and, uh, and do the right things. You know, we, our volleyball athletes are our role models on this campus. And so they know that and they have to respond in that, in that fashion. And so sticking with that term optimistic, let's kind of take a little bit more of an optimistic look at this. What does the extra six, seven, eight months do for these incoming freshmen or for someone that may be battling an injury, is this all time that can turn them into either healthier or more veteran presences around the, the program? Well, Daniel, I think for most teams, it's a positive. Uh, there've been a lot of coaches um, lobbying to play in the spring for a long time because it's so challenging um, to have two and a half weeks of practice and then start playing matches. And then for freshmen to just arrive and for them to expect to understand your system and how to play and what the competition level is like in the Big Ten. So, you know, 
we feel like it's going to benefit us. Even though we're not a super young team, we only have two seniors. Uh, Caitlin Newton and Jenna Otek are the only two seniors we have. We have sophomores that have a lot of growing still to do. And so I think it benefits that class dramatically. And as you've already mentioned, our freshman class, where we really feel like it would help us if we could develop a middle blocker early in that group that could maybe even slide into a starting position would allow us to play a similar system to a year ago. If that doesn't work, we feel like we've got, you know, people in place uh, to still be able to, to put a really good volleyball team on the floor. But there, there is an advantage to having people attack out of the back row. And that's what made us difficult to defend when Caitlin Newton is bombing balls out of middle back for three rotations. And then when she goes in the front row for two of those rotations to have a Grace Cleveland, uh, who by what the way was spectacular tonight in our one hour practice. He looked like she had, uh, I don't know what she had done since uh, we stopped practice 10 days ago, but uh, she was a totally new person. So uh, we, we want to try to keep those people on the floor as often as possible. Um, so, but we have two different systems. We feel like we can play uh, personnel wise and uh, we're just optimistic to get started and start doing some six on six so we can find out what system works best. Now, I got a couple more questions here, but coach, is there anything else surrounding the, the approach that the Big Ten has taken or just the approach that the NCAA has taken towards coronavirus that you feel that you want to talk about? Because I, I want this to be a bit of an open forum for you as opposed to more selective questions that I have. So is there anything else that you want to talk about in that capacity? I don't you – know, I know a lot of people have questioned uh, Commissioner Kevin Warren's decision on fall sports particularly football and it's it's been well documented that some players and parents and coaches have not been happy on the football side I don't think you've heard a lot of that from 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 other sports I just think there's still enough unanswered questions that the person who ultimately is making that decision um, has to feel confident that the student athletes are safe. And I just don't think that uh, our commissioner felt that way based on the information that he was provided by the medical staff, giving him that information and the presidents apparently felt the same way. I think our athletic directors, you know, were looking at it from a different perspective and they had seen personally what was going on at the campuses and felt pretty comfortable that, you know, we could make it work. I do think a delay helps everybody. Maybe you learn a lot more. I mean, every day you're learning more about this, not just the virus itself, but how do you contain it? Um, what tests are coming along that might speed the process up right now? You know, still takes, uh, you know, even for us, which we're really quick, it's a 24 hour turnaround from taking the test to getting the test. But the biggest issue with the test is the expense. And right now, my understanding is it's about $127 a test. And we're doing a lot of testing in the Big Ten. And so if they can come along with that other, that new, newfangled uh, test where they uh, it's kind of a, a spit test and it's down to about three to five dollars that's gonna that's gonna change things quite a bit as well so you know we're as, as mentioned we're we don't make those decisions what we do is is try to train and deal with things the best we can and, and this group this group loves to be in the gym so uh, we're gonna make progress and so what's the I guess acceptable amount of practices is it just is that a little bit more restricted over the next five months or you, you guys have a little bit more free reign as long as everyone continues to test negative? What are the restrictions or regulations there? The, the NCS is still doing a lot of thinking on that. Right now, uh, we have about three weeks of 
eight hour a week um, time with our athletes, eight hour weeks, meaning four hours in the gym, four hours in the weight room, which is not bad since we're a long way away from the start of the season. It's kind of a reversal. It's what we would normally do in the spring. And then after those three weeks are over, um, we're going to have a 20 hour week starting again. And that gives us a lot of time, uh, you know, to prepare. But as we look at it right now, our weeks run out about three weeks before our kids go home. So we'll be, you know, well before Thanksgiving and, and we won't have enough practices available to continue practice. So there's a flaw in the system somewhere there that we're trying to figure out what's going to happen. I think the NCA is taking a look at that, but basically I feel really good. It, it, we're, we're going to kind of, casually get into it here with these four hours in the gym a week for a couple, three weeks. And then we're going to really get after it and, and really start making some progress. Sounds great coach. And you're going to have to take some notes for me during the practices since I'm down in Florida and then give me some, give me some updates as we'll continue to do dig city episodes on who stands out like that. Grace Cleveland, just hearing a little bit about one of our star players playing well, gets those juices running. Cause I know a lot of Purdue volleyball fans at home are thinking about this as well. Do you know if there will be, you know, a, a capacity of fans at the matches whenever they do happen, or is that still up in the air? Yeah, that, that has not been determined. I mean, they were going to try to get 25% of capacity um, in at one point in time, I think, as you've heard just a few times, it's a fluid situation. Um, That's the and phrase. because of that, I think the longer we wait, um, and the better control we get of things, we might be able to expand that, you know, number a little bit higher, but <coughs> excuse me. Um, right now we're just really wanting to play volleyball. Um, you know, the, the one rule that I, I don't know if you paid attention to this and, and saw this, but as of right now, this is a free year for yep. fall sports teams. And so that, that makes things very interesting as you start to look. What that means is that everybody that on our roster this year, this doesn't count as a year of eligibility. So your two seniors can play again the next year. Your four or five you know, juniors can come back and play you know, for an additional year. Everybody gets an additional year. Now, what that does with um, personnel, will be interesting it won't be a big deal for us too much if let's just say that, that caitlin and, and jenna would both want to come back well that's just two people we only have two seniors um and then we have four players coming in a couple we plan on red shirting so it's not a not a major deal um that first year but then you look at the next year which would be a year that uh grace jl mohorning Twilliger, and bush would finish there career they get an extra year and I think four of those are scholarship players and we've already got you know players committed to come in that year and that's like 23 uh, the first year the MP sorry I was saying yeah, like 23 24 by yeah yeah and the NCAA has said that first year they will allow schools to cover the expense of the extra scholarships uh, but in a in a time at a time when Big 10 universities and every university is cutting salaries drastically right now, which is what happened at Purdue. I don't think it's a time to turn around and start offering more scholarships, you know, for people. So that's going to be tough even in that first year to do that. So it does, it does create um, a bit of a quandary, um, but one that will, will get figured out, um, you know, and, and whether you keep all seniors or any seniors or a combination of that, uh, remains to be seen, but you know, we'll do what is going to be best for our program. 
And once again, on, on the other side of things, just think about how unbelievable some of these Big Ten rosters are going to be in two years, right? When you've got some of these six-year players like Haley Bush coming around, she's going to be in, the, in the, the conference for six years, and she'll have all that veteran leadership, as will many other stars in this conference. Coach, we're going to have a ton to talk about all offseason long, but I do want to go a little bit into that, that final segment we like to do, fifth set with Shondell, ask you how Dr. Don is doing. I know you saw him recently, and I just wanted to check in on the, uh, the old ball coach. Yeah, went over and saw my dad this morning. He's at an assisted living center in uh, Muncie called Morrison Woods. And, you know, it's a sad time for people that are living in those places because they're, they're pretty much prisoners at this point. They can't go out the front door. They can't even go out the door of their, of their rooms uh, very often. And uh, so they're lonely and they're allowed visitors at this place. Now we can finally get in for uh, one visitor a week can go in and see Dr. Don. So I really feel like, you know, if, if you know people that are in those situations, uh, reach out to them in, in any capacity you can, whether it's send letters or cards or make a phone call or whatever, because that's, that's a tough situation. And my dad's one of the most positive guys that you'll ever meet, but uh, he's a little bit down right now because there's just not, not much going on for him. All right, coach. Thank you so much for joining me. Here's the, uh, very important episode of Dig City coming out. We'll have to talk to you again soon about any updates going on with the team. And, and all the freshmen will for sure have a freshman episode coming up for all you Purdue fans listening at home. Coach, thank you so much. Thanks, Daniel. For Coach Shondell, I'm Daniel Gilman. This is another episode of Dig City, a Purdue Volleyball podcast.